Welcome to Kevin McDonald Presents, the live late night show that features local music and the people who make it. Singers, songwriters and musicians, and many others that support the independent music scene. Join me as together we discover who they really are, their passion, their drive, and how they make it happen. And then there's the music and what music it is. And this hour is no different because... Tonight I feel like I've died and gone to heaven. The Beatles are here. Okay, not really, but sort of. And they're going to be here for the two hours. Apple Jam, the Beatles tribute band, is here. And they're going to play live. We've got some songs that you've never heard done by the Beatles that they've done that are awesome. So I hope you stay with us. But first, let's listen to John Lennon. Welcome back to Kevin McDonald Presents for a Thursday night. 
Well, we are very, very fortunate because, you, and some of you that follow the show on a regular basis will remember that last week um, um, on the show, Steve was here, um, Steve Rosetta, and uh, he was here, um, and he did the, uh, the play Starting Over, and um, or Just Like Starting Over, and that is and that was a uh, expose on the last day of John, John Lennon's life. Well, he got me hooked up with Apple Jam, the band, and they're here tonight, all five of them. They're awesome uh, players. They're all lined up to play in the studio. We're going to spend the next two hours talking about the Beatles, and they do something really unique as well. They do. They follow the individual careers of the four guys after the Beatles, and they also play them. So we're going to play some of those songs. We're going to play some Beatles songs. We're going to play some songs that were written by Lennon and McCartney, but never recorded by them. They were given away to other artists to record, and they never got around to doing it. And these guys have then uh, gone back and um, kind of like as a labor of love, I guess, have uh, uh, taken those songs and done Beatles-style renditions of them as the boys would have done them. And uh, so tonight's going to be an awesome experience, and I I hope you're going to enjoy it as much as I am. And without further ado, and, you know, Tom, who is sitting right here, he knows uh, that I've been looking forward to this for like... For like Ever. Yeah, oh well, you know. <laughs> well, you know, since we started doing the music thing, that's what I reference a lot is... Beatles, Beatles, Beatles. Well, Beatles, they're Beatles, the only Beatles. ones that... They changed music. They changed everything. You're too young to know that, young man. <laughs> no, I'm not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But it, but the guys that are all here, they were they lived it. And they lived through it. So with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce them. There is uh, um, John. is sitting right here. Hello. And he even sound like them. And John is uh, uh, leopard. He also <laughs> um, um, performs for the Beatniks, correct? Yes. yes. And uh, and and who else do you perform for? A group called the Herding Cats. And so you're a busy fella. I guess so. I love it though. Really enjoyable. Yeah, and you you're also the drummer. Yeah. So you you uh, um, sing, lead, and play drums. Yeah, which and we'll sometimes on these Apple Jam shows, I play guitar and piano when they when I get a chance to. Oh, wonderful! Enjoy. Well, that's awesome. And sitting next to you is John. Is that right? Nope. This is Rick. I knew that, Rick. <laughs> that's John. That's Rick. Yep. Hey, Rick. Um, and you are the bass player. Yes, sir. And you do now the song that we just heard, which is Instant Karma, that John Lennon did. Um, that is your vocal. That is me. And th- that is that is just awesome. It's you guys sound. So and and uh, uh, John, you do all of them, is that right? I try. <laughs> I think you do more than try. The, later on in the show, you're going to hear a song that was on the Beatles' second album, which is uh, "Don't Bother Me." Yeah. No, excuse me, that was "Meet the Beatles," uh, which was uh, first song, second side of the American there's, release. There's your second album, though, really, with the Beatles. Yes, that's Came true. Came out the day Kennedy was shot. You know what's scary is I thought I knew a lot about the Beatles, but I, this group is going to put me to shame, I'm afraid. Um, and uh, but in any you better event, be taking notes. I know, I know it. I know you it. Your pen, you got your paper. Flip that paper over. Yes, I, no, I can't. This because this is this is my bio. But stuff. you need to take notes on the information these guys are going to drop on you tonight. Oh, I know it. And and uh, Mike is here, and uh, and Doug is here, and uh, Johnny is here. And Johnny has a distinction. He's read three hundred Beatles books. books. And the the what does he bill himself as the uh, professor of music? Beetle, beetle dork. Oh, yeah. <laughs> beetle geek. No, the guy uh, Slayton. The, the guy yeah, the, Slayton. the uh, what is it? Professor of uh, uh, yeah. Professor of musical knowledge or something. Yeah, and he says that he and he does the Breakfast of the Beatles on sure. KZOK, and you stumped him. Yeah. 
back in 91. Yeah, so so you guys, so I, I guess, and this is for anyone, the Beatles, you get on stage and you play like them and you work really hard to make the sound right. What's it like to do that? Drag. <laughs> A well-known drag. No, it's great. It's, it's you know, it's what else, what else, what, what better job could you have? Yeah. I can't imagine. Really. I mean, there's no, there's no real pressure. You don't have to come up with the next new single, you know? <laughs> but we just get to play the best music that's ever been written, in our opinion. The only thing easier would be to do a Millie Vanilli tribute. You wouldn't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so when you guys get up, now, first of all, you guys are doing a concert at the Triple Door yes. on January 11th. Yes. And the 7 o'clock, 7.30 show yes. has been sold out. And so now, but there is a 21 and over 1030 show. Tickets. Is that right? <laughs> so, and that's not sold out. No, so, no so, not yet. So, so people can go to that. Everyone to come down. Absolutely. So that is at the Triple Door on January 11th. Mm-hmm. And we'll get that out a bunch of, bunch of times. Um, I want to ask you, who was, whose idea was it to record the Beatles songs that were never recorded by the Beatles? That was my idea. Ah, it's a beautiful idea. <laughs> How did it come to be? Well, because I collect, uh, I'm a record collector. Yes. And I have thousands of albums at home. And I have a lot of these songs by other artists. And uh, we all have like Beatle bootlegs. So some of us have the demos that they, that they uh, recorded of the songs that they gave to the artists after, you know, so they could learn them. And especially this one that we're going to do here um, was done by, I'm really big into Swedish music from the 60s. I'm the only person I think that like likes it, but um, You're there was the one. there was there was a group called the Mascots that covered it, and it's a nice song from '63 that the Beatles never actually recorded themselves, and so that kind of started. I thought, what if we could do like a like a whole album of unreleased songs with a theme from like '62, '63, and call it "Off the Beatle Track" because that was the original title for "Please Please Me," and uh, try to record it just like the Beatles would have done it back then, kind of live and have the, the the wide stereo effect and everything. Using the same instruments, you yeah. know, and. Mm-hmm. and so do you have a Hofner bass that you play on stage with? I've got several, yeah. This is a Hofner right here. Oh, is it? This is the Stu Sutcliffe model, you know, the, the president. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, That's so that's the one that he, is that the one he used before he picked I'm up I'm going to play with my back to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, so you guys are coming up with a complete album that is uh, um, going to be those tracks. How many, mm-hmm. how many songs in total are there? Fifteen. Uh, yeah, I think there's fifteen, yeah. Wow. All from the early days. All from the early days, which is is pre Beatlemania, but uh, in this country, but not overseas. Right, pretty much because they were huge overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super. Uh, Would you guys like to play one now? Sure. Okay. Is this the one we're going to do live, or is this going to be okay? You want to? Yeah. Okay. So we'll. I'm going to make Tom go to work, and we'll set you up, and then we'll play. This is Apple Jam. This is a song called Tip of My Tongue, written in 1962. Should I get some... Should I get distance there? Am I supposed to hear some bass here, Tom? There we go. Ready? Yeah. One, two, three, four. As I want to speak to you It sometimes takes a week or two To think of things I want to say Just think of something 
song is again is tip of my tip tongue. of my tongue. I thought so we'll tip get it right next time <laughs> <laughs> you guys that sounded awesome that sounded just awesome thank you you're welcome so Rick you are also uh, um, you, you're one of the uh, um, um, beatniks as well yes yes yep. and so you guys do the beatniks which is also a, a Beatles tribute band correct well, not really a Beatles tribute band just a you know a classic rock you know 60s pop music type this you know i'm also in the herding cats with john and mike all three of the members yep. of herding cats are here and you can, you guys are busy yeah you guys are busy this is but it, but it's awesome now how long does it take you guys to put the harmonies together to put the uh, the the whole thing together so that you can take it and take it out and perform it and and i want to talk about the history of how apple jam came to be as well um how long uh, let's see how did it take well it did, I guess hmm. the history would come first, huh? The history, actually, uh, you know, you had Steve here a couple, what, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Mr. Rosetta. S- Rosetta. Street letter to fat. She thought she was a clean. Anyways. <laughs> That's right. So I met Steve at a Brian Wilson concert. Oh, wow. We both got tickets uh, right, uh, at the last minute right up front, and we were both sitting there. When I kind of recognized him from a, a beatnik show, actually. He recognized me, and we just started chatting. And uh, he, he told me that he was a playwright, and he wrote a, a play about John Lennon, the last... You know, we you know the last few hours of his, before his death. He dies at the end of the play. Mm. Yeah. Tragic. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he asked me if I would be interested in reading the play. I said, "Sure, I'd love to read it." You know, and then he was saying he was having a bit of trouble uh, getting the play produced because a lot of the people in the theater uh, just wasn't really listening to him. He was he, he was wondering if somebody in the music end of it could probably make uh, you know help him out a little bit. I told him I'd do whatever I could do, but I had no idea what I could possibly help him with. So he came up with this idea. It was um, back in uh, 2005 uh, to, to uh, uh, do a show of all John Lennon stuff on the anniversary of his death. And he wanted the Beatniks to do it. And I said, you know, I don't think we'll have them. Because they just wouldn't be interested in doing it you know, or putting it together or doing it right. I said, but, you know, I, I know a bunch of guys that uh, are Beatles fanatics. Because it's got to be a real labor of love. It has yeah. to be or, or it wouldn't be done right. So I called up some friends and got us all together, and uh, and we did the show. It was, it was a great fun, a lot of fun. And uh, well, the first we, show we had a lot of guests 
uh, people come in and sing. Yeah, yeah. On other songs, we had like guys would come up and do one song, and then another guy would come up and local front local musicians band. that have their own bands. So that... We were more of a backing band the, the first show. We sang a lot too, but uh-huh. there was lots of other guests, so that was really stressful. And we were doing seventies like stuff from the seventies and even the early eighties before right before he died, and has horn parts and everything. So it was that was really stressful. And then we asked Alan if he would come and play with us because uh, we knew Alan. Uh, how did we know Alan, actually? He sat in with the Beatniks a few times. Oh, that's Alan right. Did. Yeah, that's right. And um, so, you know, it, it just worked out real well. And we had a lot of fun doing it. We thought, well, let's let's do it again. It was too much fun not to do it again. It was too much work not to do it again. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. And we did a George Harrison one, too. Yes, on the anniversary of his death, yeah. right? The 50th anniversary. The anniversary of his death. <laughs> which, is, which is sad. Well, people don't know. Is, they don't know the birthdays, you know? So it's, you know. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and uh, now that was when that was a couple years. No, November 29th. Yes, and so is there a special occasion as far as the January 11th show, or is this just kind of the evolution of of what you do? Steve would know that because I think he did this in this date in Beatle history, January 11th. Oh, what was it? Steve, come come on up. Do you remember? Uh, Actually, I, I. Hi, Steve. I did look it up, but I, I forgot what it was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, I mean, I think the big thing is we're going to premiere these these new old songs that, that the Beatles never did. I think that's sort of our, you know, our hook for this particular show. That's a, it's, a, it's an awesome idea. It's kind of a last-minute thing, too, because we, we were starting to, we were going to do this gig before I came up with that, too, right? Oh, yeah, you, yeah. you, you, threw, this, you threw this at the we're last We were at the EMP in the dress room, and I said, wait a minute, why don't we do this? And we didn't think we could pull it off, but... Well, we haven't pulled it off yeah, yet. Yeah, we haven't sure. That's, the CD's not finished yet. Yeah. Ah, it's when, almost finished. How many more songs do you have to do? The songs are all on there, but they're not completely fleshed out. There's some vocals we need to add and guitar parts. Oh, cool. So, but it's it's gonna it's gonna happen. And yeah. uh, we brought a few songs. And we we tried to change a lot of the arrangements too. We tried to guess what the Beatles might have done to these songs because some of them were like it were female vocalists sang them, and we had to change the keys. And yeah. a lot of it was like. Um, just more, you know, not not as much rocking. It's more like we easy had, listening. We had to tap so, into our inner Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> it was that, that that part was fun. Oh yeah, because they had a such a distinctive style back then that was so different than what any any treatment that even songs that they gave away um, to other artists. Now, th- let me ask you guys: Did they give away Johnny the? The uh, encyclopedia over there. Did they give these songs away to the other artists as throwaways? Did they get any money back for them? I know that Brian Epstein yeah, they wasn't had a the little publishing rate, but I don't think these songs were up to their quality either. Uh-huh. Well, s- some were written spe- especially for the artists who would ask for a song too. So some of them were actually you know favors, and then but yeah, some of the earlier ones were stuff that they just didn't think was good enough. And they did want to be songwriters, also. Yes. Isn't that what Paul said? Yeah, early on they wanted to be recognized as, yeah. as and they were, and so they once they've got that fame, I don't think they were that interested in writing for other artists at that point. Yeah, cuz cuz I know they gave away uh I want to be your man to the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And they they turned that into a hit. And the one one of the ones that uh that we t- that we played last time, Steve, that was number 4 on the British charts when they were number 1 on the British charts with She Loves You. And th- Yeah, keep you satisfied. Yeah, and that one was uh, um, that one was done by who did that one? Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas. Ah, that's right, that's right. So, so they were prolific songwriters, and even their stuff that they didn't think was good enough, other guys took it and made hits out of it. Well, well Paul even wrote a song for <laughs> Peter and Gordon and under a different name to see if it would sell. If people didn't know that he actually wrote it, and it still became a hit. Yeah, because yeah. what's what's the, the name? Song's called Woman. 
There were some some songs that uh, there's one song in particular that Peter, uh, excuse me, that uh, Billy J. Kramer rejected. Said it's not good enough. What was the name of that song? One and one is two. But it's good enough for us because we're, we're doing. We're going to give it to him. We're going to show you how it should have been done. Yeah, that's Billy a great. Billy didn't have a vision for it. That's a great segue. Do you, would you like to play that one? No, we don't have it ready for. Oh it. dang it! But we could mess around with it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> when do you um, now? When will we get a glimpse of the album? When will it go on sale? Any idea? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, we were trying to go for the the eleventh, but we just got so busy. We got we we're so busy with other projects that. We got it got sidetracked, but we're working on it. We're continually working on it. We're I, th- I think it's going to have great value. Um, I think uh, the, the 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 Beatles music is so timeless, and if you treat it and retreat it with the Beatles music, it's it's like uh, um, one of my favorite covers that they did, which was uh, uh, "Please, Mr. Postman." Mm-hmm. If you if you put that one and the way they treated it with the original, which was a hit, yeah. their theirs was just like head and shoulders. Oh, a, yeah, a yeah. better treatment. Yep. Because they were just were so so gifted at what they did. I think it's uh, unanimous. They were genius. Yes, indeed. So let's. Uh, would you like to play uh, something live? Would you like to play some, uh, uh, something off the CD? What would you like? It's like your to show, do? Kevin. You do what you want. No, to. no I, I'm sorry. You guys are like godlike tonight. So it's, <laughs> it's whatever you guys want to do. If you feel like singing, I know that uh, John may have to leave a little early. Um, I don't know that. I'll try but, to stick it out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but uh, what? I'll tell you what. Why don't we play something live? Okay. What would you like to play? We got nothing prepared for you. <laughs> you got nothing? Well, we have a big list, so maybe if You I... got a big list over there. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, can we just do the rest but of the show in fake Beatle accents? You can. No, you and too. You too. I think you want to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except I'm not that good. I'm, 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 right, well, let's just all pretend that we're from okay. over there. All <laughs> right, then. What are we going to play? This is a song that was off of what? Beatles, Beatles for Sale.
give yourself some applause. That was awesome. That, that, that was truly amazing. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You don't, we can do it again. Yeah. <laughs> you can just keep doing that. Whatever you're doing, just keep doing that because that, that's that's awesome. I'd like to. I'd also like to bring the other guys into it, Mike. Hello. Hello. How are you? Now, how did you get? Now, you're part of the Herding Cats. Yeah, I've been playing with John and Herding Cats for six, seven, almost seven years. And Rick's been in Herding Cats for a year and a half. Yeah. Every Sunday night till they fire us, and they haven't yet. And where do you play? We're playing at the Wild Rover in Kirkland. The Wild Rover. Oh, yeah. you're you're those guys. Those guys, yeah. Why well, you live up in one of those condos and calling about the complaints? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I've, I actually have a relative that works down by you and has heard you and loves, and loves your stuff. Oh. Uh, she goes there all on a regular basis because she works at the coffee shop around the corner. It's pretty and, free form what we do. We just we don't have like a set list. We just well, you just get up there and play. Yeah. And, and yeah, and you have a great time. So so when they came to you with this project, were you were you like in? Was it like oh the first one uh, was the John Lennon jam? The first one, I think there might have been one before I joined that you guys did at the Crocodile. Yeah. Yeah. And I went. Uh, attend, attended that one and just watched, and it was great. Yeah. And then for the John Lennon jam down there at Green Lake, um, I was part of the band. And I no, I I was right in. I loved it. I loved the whole idea. Yeah. So now you play the uh, uh, rhythm guitar that John played. Rhythm guitar? No, rhythm guitar that John played. You mean the the model? The not, no, no, model? not the model. But you played the part. Just uh, then on that song? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then do you, do you, do you guys like I like uh, I I know that Herrick's got the bass. And so you're playing, obviously, Paul McCartney's parts. Yeah. And right. it, does one of you play um, mostly um, John Lennon rhythm and the other one George Harrison Well, Lee? no, we didn't divide it up that way deliberately. It goes from song to song. Oh, okay. And there might even be times for me personally where I'm not sure which whose part I'm playing. Now, I, you know. wasn't it that, that John played rhythm because he couldn't do the lead? Wasn't that part of the, part of the issue? George was a better player. Yeah. He could play raunchy. He could play. He could play raunchy. <laughs> he, he could play really raunchy. So, so you guys. And and by the way, um, um, Doug, I love the Beatles logo that you have on your guitar. Thank you. And and where did that come from? Did you just uh, apply that yourself? That was a gift given to me by my good friend and uh, a fellow musician named Tim Pipes, huh? another Beatle fan. And how did you get hooked up with this group? Well, uh, Steve, you could probably help on this story, but. But uh, about a year ago, right before the George Harris, when they were getting ready for the George Harrison gang. No, he's got a bike already. Um, I think they needed another guitar player. And um, Steve, I oh, think. I, yeah, I had seen the Kennedy brothers yeah. a bunch of times. And I, th I think I went to them to solicit their interest. And they immediately said, you've got to talk to Doug. And that this is what you do. Can so, you tell them the exact quote? <laughs> Do we have delay. a second? Seven, seven, seven. Yeah, we got a seven second delay. Yeah. So. Okay. Give it, tell it. <laughs> Something about <laughs> I crap Beatles songs. You shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. So you do you like the Beatles too? Then yes, I do. do you, what was your first memory? <laughs> well, actually, my first musical memory is sitting in the back of my. Uh, parents car when i was about five years old and listening to band on the run um he's making us uh, yeah i was yeah. gonna say <laughs> that's my first musical memory but uh <laughs> but yeah no i i started playing guitar when i was 12 or 13 my parents actually made me do it i didn't want it and uh at the time i had a really good friend who was into the beatles and i wasn't and he got me into it and 
then from that point on, it was four hours a day, every day, sitting on the end of my bed, picking up the needle, moving it back, trying to play the song, picking up the needle, moving it back. <laughs> good, good, good so, for you. Uh, yeah, and here we are. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Johnny, um, how did you get hooked up with this this group of? Uh, talented musicians. Rick's bass teacher from elementary school knew my piano teacher from what? elementary school. I've never had a He's bass teacher. We, from the same area, Gig Harbor, Tacoma. Ah. And uh, so he called me and wanted to know if I wanted to play keys for the band and double on guitar. I said, sure. You know, it'd be a fun thing to do with a lot of good players. Well, Johnny was the first guy to thought about, you know, well, John, drummer John and Johnny Jones. Yeah. There were the two guys that were like, I knew these guys would do it in a, in a heartbeat because they're, they're, yeah, they, those guys, they're as sick about life, it yeah. as I am. So. Yeah. Well, so Rick, tell me, what's your first Beatles memory? What was your, fr the first moment that you became wow. aware of them? Good question. Um, the first thing I really remember actually was I, I saw a picture of the Beatles uh, meeting the the queen ah. and i remember my reaction was she is so lucky <laughs> never, never even occurred to me that, that, that it was an honor for them to meet her yeah but i always thought it was an honor for her to meet them yeah now was that real time because in that was in 63 that they that, did that no it was probably later on probably the first musical memory i think i heard ticket to ride on the radio with my dad i remember and then my dad and my older brother were trying to pick out who was john and who was paul so that kind of I just remember yeah. hearing this music. I knew it was just the greatest music I've ever heard. And I'm just a little kid, and I just knew that nothing else was like it. You know, nothing oh. else was like it. Oh ab no, absolutely, John. When was your first, first Beatles memory? First Beatles memory. Um, I think I I was born the day Band on the Run came out, and I remember <laughs> um, it's true. And I remember when I was a kid, I, my parents had a bunch of their records, and I always liked it. And uh, I had to get allergy shots every week, and I hated it. And they said, if you're good, we'll buy you another Beatle album. So by the time I was like six, I had every Beatle record. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was actually your parents who got you yeah, kind of yeah. into it. Yeah. That's well, my, my so parents, that was their time. You know, they oh, loved yeah. It, so oh, they yeah. were always playing it at home. Stuff. You're, ma you're making me feel ancient again. Oh, jeez. Um, which, which is easy. And my first Beatle memory is the Sunday that they were on the Ed Sullivan Show. I always used to look, because the, in those days there were five channels on the TV. And so I always used to look to see what the afternoon, and at that time it was like either the Johnny Weissmuller Theater or Tarzan or, or something, and I wanted to see what was on there. But on the cover of, you know, the, the TV Times yeah. that, that you get, there was a big, you know, full-length spread of the Beatles with, you know, their, in, in, with their colorless jackets yeah. and all of that. And I thought to myself, those guys look pretty cool. Yeah. And then it was, they were going to be on the Ed Sullivan Show that night. And so I, of course, took it to my mom and said, look, Mom, can I stay up late? I'll never forgive her <laughs> to the day I die. So anyway, but that's that was my. First I didn't get to see memory. it either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to be there in real time, uh, people don't understand, and maybe it's just me, but people don't get the the um, the, the the impact. The, thank you. Yeah. The impact that they had, not on just music. But in the world and everything about the world, from from when they first started with Beatlemania to when John made his fav famous, uh, go ahead, you say it. I didn't say we were bigger. I said we were taller than Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very he good. He, in fact, was saying he was bigger than Rod. <laughs> Rod <Yeah>. Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, when... The, when, when <laughs> When he apologized for that remark, they broke into network t 
television on all channels. Oh, really? Yeah. To, Do you uh, remember that? Yeah. I was sick in, in that day. I happened to be sick home from school. And uh, they broke in. It was a major news event. All all three news networks at that time. They didn't have CNN or any of that stuff. I love when that old footage of the Beatle boy. Don't forget to bring your Beetle paraphernalia, and we're yeah. gonna we're gonna burn it. Three pickup points. <laughs> yeah. Don't you forget what the Beatles have said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Bible Belt. They they had a real good time with that. But but you know, actually, in fact, I think it helped sales because they had to, after they burned it, they had to go buy it again mm-hmm. um, because they figured out that Great they were. You got to buy them to bend them. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, you know what? Why don't we? Would you guys like to play one more live thing, and then then we'll go to break? Let's do a don't sure. come easy. That oh, that would be that would be a great one. The Ringo, the Ringo number here. It's just amazing. I, 
Because that that song is Don't Bother Me, and that was double-tracked in 1964 when they did it. And it was it triple-tracked? No, it's no, 63. 1963. Oh, 63. Jimmy <laughs> <and> Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It, came, it was released in 63. Yeah. But the American release was 64. January 64. Ah. Whew. I was close. <laughs> that, and then that was Meet the Beatles, right? Right. America, yeah. yeah. And uh, that now that came out in America um, after Ed Sullivan or before Ed Sullivan? Right before. Because it's all ready to promote. Because um, I was watching Larry King when uh, uh, Ringo and Paul were on, and they were talking about how George had come here actually in the fall of 63. Yeah. And it was go- wandering into record stores asking, and you do the voice. Well, there, there was an album that came out in 63 in America called Introducing the Beatles. Yes. On a small label called VJ, yes, and which didn't sell anything. Right. So, uh, so George would go around to all the the shops, you know, do you have any, the the Beatles, and they they'd say we'd never heard of them, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's crap. <laughs> <laughs> and and then and, and so when he went back, and they knew they were coming over here, and they thought it was going to be a really really tough sell because nobody had heard of them. Well, they were in, when they were in Paris right before they came here, and they were told then that I want to hold your hand hit number one. But there's a discre- discrepancy because George and Paul's versions of the stories are different. Because George uh, says that they were they were already booked to come to America before they had any success here, and Paul says they 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 made sure that they didn't have any gigs here until they had a big hit, until they had a number one. So I think George is actually correct. I, I think George I think is the actually trip was already correct booked too. Before, and, yeah, because I, I, as I recall, they were, you know, they played at Ed Sullivan. That was a big deal, but I, they were like out of the shoot, brand new, yeah. and the hype was like just like a week old kind of thing. So it was like like all That's of a sudden, perfect timing. Yeah. yeah, and they still are the only band that had uh, that held the top five positions at the same time. See, and that, that's something when you tell people today that you know, in those <laughs> see nowadays you've got so many different genres and subgenres and subgenres of subgenres that it's possible for one band to have two or three positions in the same subgenre. So, but in those days it was they had one. It was like the top forty, and they held the positions one through five of the top forty at the same time. Do you uh, do you know what records they were? Oh God! Let's see. She loves you. Hold your hand, please. Please me. Um, oh, help me. Can't buy, Can't me, buy love. me love. Can't buy me love. Okay, and um, twist and shout. Yeah. Yeah. And twist and shout. Yeah. So that's and, good. But that was because great. Capital refused to distribute their records for a year. Tremendous They're, foresight they had. <laughs> Smart guys at Capital. Well, and I'll tell you that not a lot has changed in the record industry. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't seem because because they they had to break through. They had to literally break down the door here. It was tough for every. It still is for UK groups and Australian groups to make it in America because Americans are really sort of closed-minded when it comes to anything that goes on outside of America. So it's really hard. Like they and they were the first to really do it. So in the for a couple years we were we were accepting all these UK bands and then we just stopped. At a certain point, because all the American bands were getting swamped, so they, they figured we got to do something. So a lot of bands were like the Who and stuff, and the later '60s groups were denied visas to work over here for a couple years. They weren't allowed to come over here; they couldn't get permits. So the U.S. government was in cahoots with the record companies. Well, it was more just a case of you know people like the Beach Boys and all these other groups were suffering. Oh yeah. So you know they had to do something. <laughs> well, I guess, except if like it's a free market, like where you know. Brian I mean, Wilson said we were jealous as hell. <laughs> we were getting annihilated by this group called the Beatles. I said, Mike, we got to do something. 
So they called the FBI and had them thrown out of the country. Yeah. <laughs> Planted, you know, stuff on John Lennon and yeah, all that. Elvis kind of stuff. was involved. And- yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so you, so your first. Now, I got to ask you because you play the drums and sing at the same time, yeah. and you play the drums and sing different people. At the, you're like the rich little of singing. Yeah. How do you okay. do that? I don't know. I don't think about it. I just do it. <laughs> if I thought about it, I couldn't do it. Look, that, that's not a very good answer. It's the truth, though. Is if it? I start to think about it, I, I, it'll just mess up, because people think you practice that stuff, but you really don't. Well, you also do other folks other than the Beatles. John's yeah. like a sponge. I mean, he listens to one thing, and he gets it right away. I mean, <laughs> he just is that way. That's just the way he is. That's, that's, that's just awesome. It's, it's, uh, so that's just really your God-given gift. I don't know where it comes from, but when I was born, it was just like that. I just went to the piano and started playing. There's no one in my family that plays any instruments or anything. i got five brothers and sisters, and nobody can understand it. What year were you born? 1973. He learned, November to, he learned to write. He learned to write by, by, by copying the liner notes of Beatle Records. <laughs> In my kindergarten books, Seriously. the letter books in kindergarten, I was the only kid that knew how to read going in because I had all the Beatles albums and Rolling Stones albums, and so I would I would copy them from memory because the doctor said I have a photographic memory. So I'd write all the catalog numbers and the labels, and so the teachers thought I was sneaking records in. And they had parent night, and my parents would go, no, that's just the way he is. We don't understand it. So, so sitting around the the uh, uh, Thanksgiving table at your family must be kind of unique. Oh yeah, they they make me do impressions and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you're, the, you're the family entertainer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I that, guess so. I oh, that's all awesome. All the weddings and funerals. Oh, great. <laughs> funerals. <laughs> oh, awesome. So, um, and Rick, you've been doing this for how long? Have you been playing music? Oh, come on, don't date me like that. I'm, I'm not. Don't want to date you. I want to ask you a question. <laughs> All right. Thirty, thirty years now. Where's the time gone? Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Isn't it amazing? So you started real young though as well. Yeah, I wasn't even born yet. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and you know, th- there's a certain maturity level that mm. w- a musician reaches that that is all good. Is all good. Yeah, I guess that's the way to look at it. You never heard the beatniks. Certain maturity level. Well, you know, (laughs) describe them for me. Hey, we're still doing it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and you're you're doing you're doing a great job with it too. So it's an opposite approach of this. This we're trying to get it as close to what the Beatles did. With the beatniks, we're just kind of more. That's why I never asked the beatniks to do the, the original John Lennon jam because I just. We wouldn't. We would butcher it to death. Kind of like when the Beatles played live, they didn't play exactly like they did in the studio. They just bashed it out. Yeah, but they yeah. had they had talent, so they can get <laughs> yeah. away with it. Well, and see, they 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 grew up in Hamburg, and Johnny, I know you'll correct me, but they 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 played six, you know, like six hours a night, six days a week, or more. Or more and well, they claim they played eight hours a night. That's I. I Could you imagine? Know, that's bull. I don't believe it. That's crap. That's crap. <laughs> that's crap. <laughs> well, it depends upon. You know, they said that they. That's also where they were introduced to, to uh, rallies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know. So that they could stay up for like days at a time. It just looks good in the books. Uh, you know. I suppose. They also said John and Paul said they'd written over a hundred songs exactly. by '63. That's where are these songs? Because yeah. we could put them on this album. <laughs> oh, someone threw them out. That's right. His yeah. girlfriend threw them out. Yes, they're gone. But uh, um, they, they, how many songs did they write during during before before they hit it big? Did they were they? No, they had a few. They just you know it was just a big hype. Yeah, yeah. total hype. Mm-hmm. But but they were able to deliver on the hype though too. Yeah. So well, and and when they were touring the U.S. And, and with Beatlemania, it would be hard to be a good musician because they couldn't hear themselves play. And they didn't have monitors and stuff like they do now. That's amazing. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can go to YouTube right now and see all these live shots, live uh, footage of the Beatles, and, and, and you can hear them. Um, it, it, it's absolutely amazing to hear them today. 
knowing that what the equipment was like back then and how good they were back then. It's just, I, I'm just flabbergasted. I mean, I'm, it's, it, YouTube is my addiction to Beatles. I mean, I'm, it's, it, I'm there all night long, and it's, it's horrible because I get no those, sleep. Lots of those groups were really good back then, though, because like, he was, like Johnny was saying, they played six, seven hours, whatever, a night, and all their records were recorded live in the studio. Right. So when you went to see them, you knew what you were getting. It wasn't just the Beatles. It was all those bands that was... Oh, yeah. incredible. Well, that it was, had to be good back then. It had to be good. Now, now a lot of folks are mastering stuff and doing 70, 80 tracks, and, and, it's, and they, they don't play out enough, and they don't practice enough, and it's hard to get the same, same sound because those guys, they, you know, they, they did it. They, they did it from the ground up. But, uh, but it, and the YouTube thing, if you go and uh, do the Beatles Shea Stadium, you'll get a, a real good idea of what it was like for them. Just do Beatles Live, and you'll get yeah. all these different, different uh, concerts that I didn't even know existed out there. It's it's unbelievable. It really is. Oh, absolutely. Would you guys like to play something live, or should we play some uh, one of the songs that's unreleased uh, that you brought us? What should we do? Ah, uh, sure. Why don't we do that? Just uh, yeah, play okay. One, play one of those songs. Which one would you like to play? Why don't what you the play choices? the first first cut? What is it? You know what to do. Oh yeah, this is a song that George Harrison demoed for the Hard Day's Night album, and uh, this is one of the lesser tracks, I think, not one of the better ones. Um, and the Beatles obviously never did anything with it, so this is us trying to rock it out a little bit, and I'm doing my George Harrison voice. Oh, cool! So, so, so this was he was going to put it in the uh, um, Hard Day's Night album. It, it never made it, but uh, okay. he just he did. The, if you buy the first Beatles anthology album, you hear the demo, which is just him and a guitar and a tambourine or something. And oh, okay. So we tried to flesh it out, and we arranged it kind of like she's a woman, because it kind of had oh, that cool. feel to it. Yeah. So, so this is Apple Jam, and by the way, they are going to be at the Triple Door. There's a show at 10.30. The 7.30 show is sold out. That's got to make you guys feel good. Yeah, yeah. surprised. So, oh, stop it. <laughs> you, you, you guys play the Beatles as well as you do and, 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 and invite everybody down. They're going to have a great time. And But there is a second show at 10.30. And so that show's not sold out. So that's a 21 and over show. Right. Uh, but you, you can come on down to the Triple Door, and that's January 11th. This is Apple Jam, and the name of this song again is? You Know What to Do. When I see you, I just don't know what to say. I like to be with you every hour of the day. So if you want me, just like an Just call on me when you're lonely I'll 
the microphone and that, or a. <laughs> and that uh, is uh, that is Apple Jam, and the name, and that was a George Harrison song. And we were just discussing he was on the anthology, but it was never released and never never given anybody else, and had just kind of disappeared. It was rumored to exist for years, and they somebody found it in like a trash can or something. It's true. Do you think that there's still more stuff out there someplace? Or yeah, it... there's a song Paul wrote called Etc. And uh, he did, did two demos for it, one in 64 and one in 68, and no one's ever heard it. And they just disappeared? They're probably yeah. in Michael Jackson's vault. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> the songs are mine. <laughs> <laughs> That that had to that, that had to ruin his day, didn't it? You think? Yeah. So anyway, um, by the way, we're talking with Apple Jam. Already ruined. <laughs> he had other things on his mind. Exactly. It's uh, Rick, Rick, John, Johnny, Mike, and Doug are going to be at the Triple Door, and they're going to be doing a live show at ten thirty on January eleventh. How long is the show going to run? Do you how, how many songs are you going to do? Uh, about 30, 35 songs, about a good hour and a half. Holy and tonight, you're going to twice be entertained by them. Right now, and I get the second half of our show. <laughs> <laughs> that's word for word. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's that's Ed Sullivan. Yeah, sorry. No, that no, that's good. That's good because you know you have to get out more often. Yeah. <laughs> you have issues, my friend. <laughs> well, you know, not very many people anymore remember the Ed Sullivan show and and that that kind of stuff and what he did. So. So, but uh, it, it, do you remember that he got irritated with the crowd? Um, Ed Sullivan? Yeah, because they wouldn't stop screaming. I didn't know anything about that. I do know that when the Rolling Stones came on, it, they got such a bad reaction from people like parents calling that he said, I, I can assure you they will never be back. And they were back like two months later. <laughs> of course. They played five more times. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was the Stones? Yeah. Of course, they did Satisfaction the first time. Uh, the first time they did, it was before Satisfaction. Oh, was it really? Time was on my side and a couple other ones. So. You are good. i got to tell you. I'm, I'm like oh, yeah. like over like <laughs> 30. Is it so, oh, photographic memory, huh? Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so what are you guys doing? Um, do you plan on, you're going to release the album, mm -hmm. and then are you going to follow it up with a series of concerts? What are you planning on doing with... That's a good, that's a good question. I, we don't know, to tell you the truth. You know, it's just kind of a, a fly by the seat of your pants type of thing. Well, it's kind of like taking a life of its own, it seems. Yeah. Along with the, the play, just like starting over, which is going to be revived... Um, Steve has promised me, Steve Rosetta, the playwright, has promised me that that's going to, because I would like to see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah. So um, they, you're going to revive that, Steve. And uh, yeah, so so there is a real natural natural revival. And you know what's interesting is that the Beatles music is so timeless that at the, at the concert, at the 730 show at the Triple Door, I bet you you have people there, because that's an all-ages show, right? Mm -hmm. You'll have people there that are 18 to 60. That, and that are all, that all love the same music. I'm gonna have a ten month old there. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Indoctrinating them early. Oh, my are wife you? Jamie and my uh, my my baby Cooper will be there. Congratulations! Thank you. That's that's Cooper. that's my eighteen year old little brother will be there. Yes. So it'll. It, by the way, did you, you want to say hello to him? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> any anybody you'd like to say hello to, Rick? No. <laughs> I, I no, I've got no one. No one's listening. No. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is going to be saved for all time because after tomorrow, people, if you're listening or you haven't caught all of the show, you'll be able to go and down, 
load it via podcast, just go to KevinMcDonaldPresents.com, and it'll be there, Apple Jam, and you can download it, do whatever you want to with it, and listen to the incredible music that you guys make. Can we fix the vocals on the last take? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. No, no, no. It's This is live, and you guys sounded, you sounded awesome. We've got about uh, three minutes left. Is, is there a song you want to do for three minutes, or... Or uh, yes, sure, we'll do one. Okay, this is Apple Jam. Remember January 11th at the Triple Door, and I'm going to try and talk him into the second hour. So we'll see. We'll, we'll be back. <coughs> Thank you. What album was this one off of? Revolver in the UK, in the US, yesterday and today. The Butcher cover. Yes. And I'm sure you all know Ravi's tabla player, Ala Raka. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, four. Tell me that you got everything you want. And your bird can sing, but you don't get me. Jam and this bird can sing and this and we're gonna sing some more in the second hour. Well, I did it. I locked the door and I'm holding them at gunpoint. Apple Jam is not leaving. They're gonna play the second hour and they're gonna play live for with us right now. And let's play a song from them.
Now, I know that that sounded like George Harrison off the American re- release Revolver album, correct? Yes. Oh, good. It was. It was on both. Uh, you know, both the, the, pressure, the pressure is immense, because any time that I reference something, I've got to make sure that I'm at least close to being right. But that was not George Harrison. That was Apple Jam, and that was John singing George. Right? Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> and Rick sings, that's kind of odd. John sings George and Paul, and Rick sings John, and uh, and the other guys do uh, backing vocals. I do I do Linda. You do, <laughs> you do an incredible Linda. He does Yoko. <laughs> it's not really set who does what. We just, you know, it we, does, we, just, we haven't, it's not like we're playing a part. We just, you, know, it just, you just make it to whoever whatever sounds. Yeah, whoever wants, to do, wants to do it, you know, just we'll, we'll do the song. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Nobody really does Yoko. Actually, he does Ouch. a good Yoko on uh, the Christmas song. I, yeah, I do Yoko. Do, do you on the, yeah. on, on the on the Christmas song? We played that when uh, uh, Steve was here, and that's I love that song. Um, but uh, so you don't really do Linda. <laughs> I think we tried te- to technically on band on the road. Yeah, there's there's I a few I'm moments. Yeah, did you? We do a lot of wings uh, era songs. Oh, so, so, so you do band on the run, Jet, and uh, maybe some Mars, Mars rock, show. rock show. Oh, that's maybe a, I'm amazed. Oh, that's that that's a those that's a great group. Yeah. Uh, so now, will you be doing any of those when you pre- pre- all those songs? Oh, yeah. You're gonna do all those. You know, if you are anyone who enjoyed the Beatles in any way, or would like your kids to experience the actual sound. That they made. This would be a great opportunity. Well, not your kid. Your kids have to be 21 to go to this show, and now at the Triple Door on the 11th of January. But you guys are going to play out again, and your album is going to com- be complete sometime in this winter, and uh, yeah. that'll be available. And I'm sure that you guys are going to play again in support of that. I would imagine. Absolutely, yeah. We're, we're definitely talking about doing a, a CD release show. When you do that, would you uh, come here and and uh, and we can preview we'd, it here? And we'd love to do that. That would be awesome. Yeah, and because uh, as a matter of fact, you brought it with you a couple of tracks, um, and we played one in the last hour. Mm-hmm. Let's play one again. And these are again Beatles songs that were written. Were they all written by Lennon and McCartney? There's one George Harrison and fourteen Lennon McCartney's. You heard the you heard the George. we heard the George Harrison. Yeah. So the rest are Lennon and McCartney's, and these are songs that they, for whatever reason, didn't feel were good enough, didn't make the cut, wanted to give away to a friend, whatever it was. Or some they actually really liked, and they were asked specifically from by friends, like Peter Asher from Peter and Gordon was you know uh, Paul was dating his sister, so he would write songs for him, and oh, that's, you know, those were um, actually really good songs. And Jane Paul, Asher, yeah, ah. Paul was really proud of those, and and the Billy J songs are really good too. Those, yeah. were, those weren't like cast offs. Those were. So which is the the second one on the? Uh, uh, this song is was it was actually written for Billy J. Kramer, but uh, he he rejected it, and uh, he actually recorded it but never released it until 1991 on a Greatest Hits record. <laughs> yeah, in '91, trying to capture his youth again. There was a huge demand yeah. Yeah. for unreleased I've Billy never, J. I've Kramer. never even heard J- Billy Jake's version of it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> and what's the name of the song? Uh, the song is called "I'm in Love." And this is Apple Jam doing the Beatles, uh, and the, and this is going to be on their forthcoming uh, album, which is entitled "Off the Beatle Track." I got something to tell you. I'm in love. I've been longing to tell you I'm in love You'll believe it when I tell you 
my kind of girl You make me feel proud You make me want to shout all around me Yes, I'm telling all my friends I'm in love Every night I can see Thinking of you And every little thing that you do Yes, I'm telling all my friends I'm in love Oh, yeah, I'm sitting on top of the world I'm in love with a wonderful girl And I've never felt this way before If this is love, give me more, 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 more You're my kind of girl You make me feel proud You make me wanna shout all around Yes, I'm telling all my friends I'm in love Oh yeah, I'm sitting on top of the world I'm in love with a wonderful girl And I never felt this way before If this is love, give me more, 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 more Every night I can see Thinking of you And every little thing that you do Yes, I'm telling all my friends I'm in love, in love Yes, I'm telling all my friends I'm in love, in love Yes, I'm telling all my friends I'm in love And that was I'm in Love by the Beatles by way of Apple Jam. And you can go see them on January 11th at the Triple Door. The 7.30 show, sadly, is sold out. But you may be able to go out front and like buy a scalp ticket because he's, a, you know, something like that. But uh, And the 10.30 show is one available. of us because we bought yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be out front, if, and the band will be there uh, selling tickets starting at about 5.30 in the afternoon. And, uh, <laughs> no, the, and how many, how many uh, seats is the Triple Door? I have not been 260? there. 360? So you sold out 300 seats well in advance of the show. Yeah, which is, which is awesome. And so you added a second show, which has got to feel good, um, being able to do that. And uh, and so it's it's awesome. And they're not only, they not only do, which is, I think it's atypical, because there are some Beatles tribute bands that, that play, and they just will do like a certain era of the Beatles, or they just do the Beatles music. But you followed it along, and you do Wings, and you do George Harrison, and you do uh, both of Ringo's hits. One of us is going to get assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> one of us is going to get stabbed. Yeah. And one's, who's going to get that, the cancer? We're taking it all the way. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we just we do the songs that we think are, are, are the great songs. We're not doing everything from their catalog, because right. obviously there's some pretty... Between all these shows we've done, we've probably done just about every song. <laughs> it's fun though, because it's like, what, what song do you want to do? There's billions of them, you know. So oh, yeah. whoever wants to do a song, we just okay, let's do that one. So yeah. Now, how long from the, from the time you decide, hey, let's do this song? How long does it take for you guys to put it all together and to make it and to make it uh, and to make it real, make it uh, uh, audience friendly? Uh, took, the first show took us about two months to kind of concentrate on it maybe do a, a, a weekly rehearsal um the last show we just did in june at uh we had three weeks to prepare for it uh, that's three total weeks of time we had maybe one or two rehearsals i believe 
and uh, <laughs> it, it, we were all, uh, as Mike was was saying, yeah, we had the, uh, well, I can't say that, but we were all, you know, a bit unnerved about the whole thing. So this time, we decided to schedule something way in advance, allow us to prepare a little bit more time for it, and uh, we're a, lot, a little more comfortable doing it now. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, you guys are just awesome. And, and uh, what's the song that you'd like to do? And you're going to do one live. Is it Dear Prudence that you want to do? I think we're going to do that because we're now tuned for it. <laughs> Aye. Right. I'm tuned for it. Now, this is uh, Dear Prudence is off the White Album, I believe. Yes. Correct. You got it. Very good. Very good. <laughs> I don't know which which album, which side, though. That's the first. first. First side, second song. See? Paul McCartney on drums. Really? Yeah, Why Ring- is Paul playing Ring- drums on this one? Ringo had left the group for a... Uh, uh, Fortnite. He was gone for a couple weeks and uh, and uh, came back to find a bouquet of flowers, saying, "Welcome back, Ringo." Why did Ringo leave? Uh, I think it. What's that? It rhymes with Yoko. <laughs> <laughs> Keep away from my biscuits. Rhymes Yoko. with Yoko. <laughs> um. There's nothing that rhymes with Yoko. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. Yoko. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. So she. It just was a bad vibe in the studio, and you know she wouldn't leave, and she was giving her opinion when it really wasn't needed. And John was going through a hard time with some substances, and he was just yeah, not an easy person to be around. It was a tough period of time. Yeah. Tough period of time. This is Apple Jam, and they're doing Dear Prudence.
And that is Apple Jam, Dear Prudence. And uh, Dear Prudence, I believe, was sung by John Lennon. Yes. That's right. That's right. John, where were you on December 8th, 1980? Uh, what were you doing with I vaguely head? remember I was pretty young, but I do remember uh, I couldn't understand, you know, that somebody could just shoot John Lennon. You know, that was because I was just getting really interested in it, and I had the same name. So I was always, my name is spelled J-O-N, and I was always mad because I wanted the H in there. Yeah. But uh, I remember being really upset about it. You know, you could change it if you like. Yeah. You can, you can now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I was in first grade, and I remember my first grade teacher cut out the, uh, the clippings from the next day, and she gave them to me, and I still have them. Yeah. Well, and because this project actually started with the, with the um, tribute to John Lennon, um, that and that uh, Steve Rosetta put on paper and and wrote a play about, which is the play's name is just like starting over, and that is going to hopefully go into production in San Francisco or Los Angeles here in the near future. And so I thought it would be it would be uh, um, apropos to to uh, Rick. Where were you on that day? You won't believe this. Yeah, uh, you know, I was uh, 20 years old, and that was my first trip I ever took. It was going to New York. To get John Lennon's autograph. Oh no! And I was in that that day. I was in Nashville, Tennessee, actually visiting Elvis's uh, recording studio. Um, that he he did some tracks there. We, uh, a friend of mine set that up. And so the next day, I was scheduled to go to New York, and uh, that was it. I was there the day after, along with everybody else on the police line, and I I bumped into Julian getting into a cab. He was 18 years old. He was wearing this leather outfit, I remember. And um, it was just a sad day. What was the emotion like in that, you know, around the Dakota and, and on the emotion of, of the people that were there? How many people were there there? Oh, just hundreds and hundreds of people on the street, and everybody was singing, you know, give a piece a chance. I remember that. And it was just, it was just, it was unbelievable, really, to tell you the truth. And, um, I was going to get my first Beatle autograph, you know. I was going to wait outside the Dakota. I knew he was doing a record, and uh, some asshole did it. You know, got it, got him before me. That must have been a heartbreaking experience. Yeah, well, you know, I was a huge fan, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I think everybody felt it, actually, so. Well, it's one of those, as we talked about when Steve was on the show, it's one of those uh, defining historical events. Like when Kennedy was assassinated or Martin Luther King or, you know, it's yeah. a really big, you know, and another big one happened today in Pakistan and we'll see how that one plays out. But mm. with those defining events are really are things that you remember. Like I remember exactly where I was. I didn't believe it. I was walking into 7-Eleven and it came over the over the news because uh, they were playing it, you know, at the 7-Eleven store. So, you know, I thought it was a gag. So I rushed home and then found out that it was. You know, all over the news, and it was it was it was incredible. Uh, where were you, sir? I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and with five, four other guitar players in a house uh, north of Hollywood, and um, we all went up to the Griffith Griffith Observatory that night with about a hundred thousand people holding candles and all that stuff. Wow, that must have been quite an it experience. Was something. You know, it's it's. Oh, go ahead. Where were you, where were you, Doug? Sure. I, well, I was eleven years old, and. And this is probably not the most respectful <laughs> story I'll tell, but uh, honestly, we, we, I was watching Monday Night Football because there was a football game on that night. Exactly. And I remember that Howard. the news came over. Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell, yep. The news came across, and I remember looking across to my dad, and my question was, who was John Lennon? As much of a fan as I am and was 
ever since after that, that was, that's my where was I when John Lennon was shot? I had to ask who he was. Well, that's but that at eleven years old, that's perfectly understandable. And that's but that's a defining moment. Yeah. For you, because of because you're now out of the band, right? I know. (laughs) Mind you, I knew. I mean, then obviously they played his music all over the place, and then I was like, okay, I know that, I know that, I know that. I just didn't know. I didn't know who he was. Was Johnny? Uh, I was on the freeway, hearing uh, just like starting over on three different AM stations at the time, and I thought that was odd, but I knew it was a hit, and then. when one of the songs ended, the DJ said John Lennon was shot. I don't know if I heard he was dead yet, but when I got home, my dad was watching Monday Night Football, and he said that you know John Lennon was shot and killed. So I think everybody found out from Howard Cosell. You know, it's it's interesting that as much as they impacted us when they played their music in life, his impact at his death was was also unparalleled. Yeah, because it was it was a huge tragedy, and uh, and it brought a lot of people together that never would have been together uh, otherwise. So I guess if there's something that's good that could come out of of a tragedy like that, then that, I suppose, would be... Violent, unnatural death, too, like that. Yeah, and you wouldn't have thought... You know, it's interesting, because the Beatles are... You know, you still you got the Rolling Stones that are still hanging out there and, and playing as a group, and then and half the Beatles are gone. I know. I always thought they were invincible. I thought they would be here forever. Well, they are, you know, on, on vinyl and CD and all that. But really, I was, you know, looking back, they never got sick to my, uh, you know. They, no. They were never ill. They um, you didn't have all the same problems that we had. But you know, they were just invincible to me. And then... Yeah. It turns out Keith Richards is the most invincible of all. <laughs> right. That's because he's almost embalmed. <laughs> That's his next album. You almost embalmed. You can't kill It'll the just undead. Just be me and the cockroaches after all gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, enough of that. Let's liven it up a little bit. Would you, would you like, like to play something? Uh, do we have another song that uh, that is, is on CD? Yeah. There is one more cut on the uh, uh, that we brought in. Do you want to do that? Do you want to do something live? What do you want to do? Sure, let's go to that one. Okay, and the name of that song is? I'll Keep You Satisfied. I'll Keep You Satisfied, and this is Apple Jam's rendition of a Beatles song that was never released by the Beatles. Who released this? Do you remember? Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas. Aha. Uh-huh.
And that is Apple Jam doing the Beatles on a song that they never actually did. So that that actually took took a great deal of imagination. But I'll tell you, it sounds like something out of 1963, of uh, something that they would have done. It, it's just it's just awesome. Well, that was the best compliment you can pay them. That was that was the goal. Yeah, trying to make it sound like that. Yeah, and uh, so many people, you know, in the, in that era, they were so far ahead of their time. If you line up what they were doing in '63 with what everybody else was doing. Yeah, 63. I, I really consider it very much to today's music of, because if you remember, pre-Beatles, you had people like Troy Donahue and Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello and all of these people who were being given songs to do that were being put up by the record companies as these front folks. And then the Beatles came along with their their talent and blew all of that away. Yep. And I now with the with the Britney Spears and with the the, the same kind of group put up by the, the record companies again. I really it's just think, getting better and better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, you know, I think it's it's back to the future all over again because yeah. I think I think the same thing is happening. So I'm waiting for the next big thing to to break free. Or and here we are. And here you are. And it's back to the future. So so we're talking we're talking with Apple Jam. They are going to be at the Triple Door at at uh, ten thirty at night. The seven thirty show sold out, but go get the ten thirty show, and that's January eleventh. They're going to play like thirty five songs. How do you guys remember thirty five songs at one time? Well, well, you've just seen we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. That's a, I'm sorry. No, no. It's actually it's getting it gets harder as you get older. To tell you the truth. These are songs that are embedded in, in our in our DNA, and but then you still forget the words, you know. Yeah. But then the, you know to add, you know, be comfortable. Lennon always forgot it. Yeah, but so did the Beatles. You yeah. had the yeah. bootlegs where he's. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, they so. did. Yes, they did. They they it sounded perfect in the recordings, but they weren't. They were human too, and so yeah, they they really were. So, what what is John? What's your favorite Beatles song to sing? Oh my goodness, to sing? Yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite one to sing. But I, I like the early Beatles the best, the first album, first two albums. I, that, that, and I collect a lot of music from that time, too. And the best way to get perspective on the, how great the Beatles were is to listen to who, who else was, like you said, who else was around at the time. Yeah. And the other Liverpool bands and stuff. And Yeah, that's my favorite. It's the early, early stuff. Yeah. How about you, Rick? I don't have a favorite. I'm sorry. I love all of, all of the stuff. Don't be sorry. That's, a, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I, Strawberry Fields was for many years, but... It wasn't until just the last few years that I've started getting into the very earlier, the early, early albums. And currently, it's Misery and Anna. Oh, I love yes. those songs. I do too. Yeah. Right. Do you guys do those? Either of them? No, well, not yet. Those, we haven't done Rats. those yet. No. Oh, well. <laughs> how, how about you, sir? Well, that's you know that's the great thing about the Beatles is they've got. I mean, when they were recording, it was a span of like what eight eight years or something or nine seven years, but. But there's so much diversity through that time, yeah. so you could go through these periods where you love the early, and then yeah. you maybe get burned out on that, and you got psychedelic, and then you got all these others. Yeah. I keep coming back to Revolver and Rubber Soul for me. That's that era for me is it. That's when they're really growing in the studio. And 
Well, you know, it was it was interesting because they took a break in '67 because they they toured in, until '66. Correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. Yeah, they took yes. a break in '66. Yes, yeah. and and into '67, and they came back with uh, after they went to India and saw the the uh, the um, Maharishi, the Maharishi, and and those folks, and they came back and they released "Strawberry Fields," was the first Beatles song. It had been like three or four or five well, months. No. I'm wrong again. <laughs> All right, from my memory. It's not entirely accurate. I right, good enough, though. It's close yeah, enough. Yeah. What was entirely? That was two years later. Actually, they took their first break after touring in 66. Yes. So they took a month or two off, wasn't it? Yeah. All grew mustaches. And yes. came back in the end of November with Strawberry Fields. When well, John went to make the movie with uh, yeah, Richard Lester. That's right. That's where he wrote Strawberry Fields yeah. in Spain. Yeah. That's and right. The Maharishi was a, two years later. Well, they met up with the Maharishi in the, the summer of '67. Yeah. When they went to Wales. Yeah. Yeah, and and Strawberry Fields was such a different sound. It was completely different than anything they'd ever done. We're actually going to do that song. You are. Mm-hmm. Could you do that tonight? Would Heck I? No. <laughs> <laughs> kind of need uh, all the uh, effects. Uh, yeah, I can do the. <laughs> that's perfect well you know what would be fun to do for you guys to do an uh, a a, like if the beatles were here today they would do some of their songs in an unplugged format um like an acoustic format of like strawberry that would be fun for you guys to put an arrangement like that together because they would do that today if they were all together and all still alive that would be something i bet you that that they would do. They take some of those old songs that they had to produce in the studio, and they really couldn't play out in those because in those days they didn't have the ability to to take that out. And I bet you they would they would go back to their roots and do the unplugged. But that's just me. And so actually, it was my way of trying it's to get you to play idea. it. But uh, <laughs> if they were actually on speaking terms, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, there was that. There was that. So it's always the women. It's the women that gets us in trouble. So would you? Is there another? We have to take a break. But would you like to do? Another, another song live first? Can you? Sure. Can't do that? Sure. What do you mean you can't do that? It's actually the title of a song. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> okay. And this was George Harrison's favorite early Beatles song. And the name of the song is You Can't Do That.
soon as you're born and make you feel small. I'll raise a practical question at this point. <laughs> By giving you no time instead of it all. That sounds to me like John Lennon, but that is Apple Jam, and they're going to be at the Triple Door on the 11th of January. Uh, at the 1030 show it's a 21 and over show come down and have you know just spend a couple hours you know enjoying music that's familiar but but very few people can play it as well as these gentlemen do and uh, they they really are awesome this is apple jam by the way go to their myspace which i believe is www MySpace AppleJamSeattle.com. We'll get you we'll get you uh, more information about them individually, collectively, and and uh, you can get a t shirt and, and uh, you find out what the, what they're doing and and I assume you'll update that when the C D release and when the C D is gonna be ready for sale, which by the way what we've been talking about is they've got fifteen songs that Lennon and McCartney and Harrison wrote, never Perform themselves, gave them to other artists in the in the early '60s, early to yes. mid '60s, and uh, you guys have done terrific uh, work at putting the Beatles stamp of the Beatles beat. Um, that's what they used to call it back then, yeah. and the Beatles beat that nobody else seemed to be able to figure out for a couple three years, and then everybody was doing it. But then by that time, they'd moved on to something else, so which which was really cool. And uh, but you guys are going to do another song. First of all. The the other projects that you guys have, which is the uh, um, the Wild Rover Sunday Sunday <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Wild, what time do you guys start playing? Oh, 10, something like that. Whenever whenever you get whenever, off the yeah. stool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is the uh, herding cats. Yes. Is, and that's the trio. Yeah. Herding. Is there, is there another H E R D I N G? Is there another member, or is it just the three of you? Just the three of us. Just the three. And and you, what do you play? Do you play like lots of Irish tunes? <laughs> we play let's, let's everything. I mean, seriously, we do Bohemian Rhapsody for crying out loud. No <laughs> kidding. Play, yeah, play regular ring. Play, <laughs> play, play, play regular ring. <laughs> Inside joke, sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then never mind. I thought you were going to actually play something, but oh, you are going to play something. But uh, the beginning of Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, that'd be fun. Seriously. Okay. <laughs> Pitch pipe, please. I don't know if I can do it. Give it a shot. <coughs> this is this is the man who's you've got one voice and several hundred people in your head. Yeah, well, this is Freddie Mercury though. This uh, yeah, is not easy to do when you're sick. <laughs> That's three more in just by himself. Go ahead, one and two and three and four and. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and see. I'm just a poor boy, I need no sympathy. Because I'm easy come, easy go, little high, little low. My God, Freddie Mercury lives. <laughs> He's in your head. That is, that is really awesome. So go see Herding Cats that Sunday night at 9:30, 10, 
Whatever. <laughs> Wild Rover. <laughs> At the Wild Rover Kirkland. in Kirkland. It's yeah. right there in downtown Kirkland. Yeah. Uh, it's right next to the water, but on the other yes. side. Yeah. That's, it's a great venue, and uh, you guys you guys are something. But <laughs> do you got any pipes left after, after that? Well, give it a shot. And you guys are going to do another song. What are you going to do? Uh, this is uh, Crippled Inside. This is off of uh, John Lennon's Imagine album. Ah, yeah, that's a great tune. Kind of a little country western tune. And this is Apple Jam.
That's a toe tapper. Yeah. That's 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 nice. awesome. And Johnny, that uh, piano <laughs> solo was just magnificent. He played on his little piano. What do you call <laughs> that? Little piano. I, cool. ca I call that the cutest little piano in town, that's but what do you call it? Little Casio SK-1. Author. Wow. Yeah, 20 years old, a little tiny thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's really about 18 inches long, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's 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 itty bitty, but it's well, uh, the rumor. Yeah. yeah, but it's got it's got it's got all the sound, and you you play it magnificently. So and that that was John Lennon. That was from the from uh, his uh, Imagine Imagine album. Yeah, and uh, um, what are, so you guys are going to do mostly? It, Paul McCartney wrote more songs, I think, than anybody else has, right? Well, he, physically, he's been around longer. Really. Yes. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> no, that's he absolutely has, yeah, true. He is, he is he's got a, he's got a bigger catalog, but you guys kind of yeah. divided up amongst them all four, right? <sighs> we do lots of George songs because we did that George Harrison jam, so. Oh yeah, do you do traveling Wilbury stuff? We have, yeah. Who do, who plays the the, the Bob Dylan stuff? <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be your husband. <laughs> 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 yeah, another that's joke. another inside joke. But uh, yeah, we've done. Uh, we did handle handle with care, and uh, is that it? Or did oh, we did got my mind set on you? But that's not traveling Wilburys. But we did some of the stuff from that era. That's fun. Oh yeah. yeah. So um you guys are gonna play on January eleventh at ten thirty. The seven thirty show sold out is twenty one and only at the triple door. And uh, you've got an album coming out of fifteen Beatles songs that are remastered and redone for the absolute very first time. You know, it's amazing to me that nobody else thought of this before. How come nobody else has thought of this before? I think some people have. We just don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you know. Maybe maybe because the songs didn't sell very well the first time. I don't know. <laughs> Well, but what's the process that you have to go through to get the rights or to be able to, to do these songs? To do Well, maybe Steve can answer that one. It's a, there's got to be a, a, a pretty... The, the, the rights are actually uh, pretty easy to get. I mean, bands like the Beatniks do cover, you know, cover versions of a variety of songs, and there are various services on the Internet. You can go and license the songs very easily. So now, did did now Lennon and McCartney and Harrison gave the songs to the other folks? Did they also give them the copyrights, or did they retain the copyrights who, that stayed with the catalogs? Yeah, I think it. I think it's just yeah, it's just listed as a Lennon McCartney song. Some of the songs, correct me if I'm wrong, Rick or John, but there's a couple of them that are just McCartney songs. But they were all credited to Lennon McCartney because that was the deal that they had made yeah. with each other. And John was the first to break that with Cold Turkey, and that really upset Paul. Because yes. John wanted that song to be a Beatles uh, single, and they, Paul didn't like it, so he said, "Fine, I'll, I'll just." Because it was the first time that it was just a John Lennon song. What about uh -huh. "Words of Love"? Wasn't "Words of Love" just a McCartney song? That's actually just a Buddy Holly That's song. Buddy Holly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, see, Steve, I'll go back to my man. <laughs> because you're thinking, I think you're thinking of "World Without Love," but it actually was. It was written mo mostly by Paul, but they always credited Lennon McCartney because of the partnership that that was just the deal they had well it's like, wrote the song it's like yesterday was written by paul but right. that was a lennon and mccartney song because right. that was the deal right and then mccartney now johnny correct me if i'm wrong but mccartney broke the deal when he released the album mccartney is that is that or did he release a mccartney song before i don't think there was a solo credited to him even though they were writing solo at that time there was a there was it wasn't credited to him solo in the beatles but that was the first you know, uh, released before was it? Right well, John had already up? done a couple Plastic Ono Band album or singles and a few albums on his own too. And George had already released a soundtrack album in '68. Yeah, and Paul did a soundtrack album in '67, yeah, the, the Family, Family Way. Way. So, 
Oh boy, yeah. I'm, I'm in over my head. I can yeah. tell. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, he he did a. I didn't know he did a, an album in '67. '67, yeah. Did, it's it, a soundtrack to a film called The Family Way. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And Martin worked on it with him. I remember when that that movie came out on TV. I was like, I had to watch it. Yeah. It was like, no. <laughs> nothing, nothing Beatle about it. <laughs> no. Well, he wrote was, the theme song. It's I know, a nice I song. Know. Yeah. I didn't understand that at the time, though. Oh, absolutely. Because a Beatles song is a Beatles song. Yeah. You know, so. And so on the 11th, you guys are going to play for until 12 ish, 12 30 ish kind of thing? Probably. Yeah. We'll see how long it goes. Well, we'll yeah. play well, by ear. I got a feeling that, that after doing a 7 30 show. I got a feeling. All right. Let's do that song, shall we? <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that a yes or a no? no. Oh. <laughs> Good segue, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a fear. Well, I'll tell you what. We've got uh, about eight minutes left. Would you like to do one more song? Uh, can you? Can I talk you into one more song? If I say pretty, please. And uh, what would be an interesting song to do? Yeah. Night before. Ooh. All right. No. Can you do the no. Piano? I don't no. want to do no. that. Okay. Oh, what? but that was that was from Help when they were in the. Uh, in the, in the Bahamas. In the Bahamas. We could yeah. do. Um, Here comes the suns. Live and let die. Yeah. <laughs> do, do, you, do you have the pyrotechnics? Do you have some pyrotechnics to go with? I can that? do them actually with my mouth. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't doubt that. <laughs> Somehow, I just, I just don't doubt that. So, if you, can, sorry, are you going to do live and let die? No. <laughs> we actually no. were screwing around with that actually at the last <laughs> rehearsal. So you never know. Good Lord. I, I think if you get a pyrotechnic guy out there, you could have a lot of fun with that one. As long as you got Roger Moore. As, as long as Roger Moore's around, yeah. Yeah. You gotta have that. So they're 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 looking. Ooh, which can one? we do that one? Wow, should we try it? And what are you gonna do? We're gonna do We're gonna try. One from uh, Revolver. From Revolver, but without the all the electric stuff. Oh, good. So this is this is so. Let's set this up. This is Apple Jam doing the Beatles if they were on like MTV doing the Unplugged series. Well, no, because if you did that, you have to have a girl playing cello. <laughs> oh, because they all do that on that show. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. Well, this is Very badly. this is Sans the girl with the cello. This is Apple Jam doing. Uh, uh, she said. She said. She said. She said. She said.
understand what I said I said no, no, no You're wrong when I was a boy Everything was right Everything was right I said Even though you know what you know I know that I'm ready to Forget what the Beatles have said. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is Apple Jam. And the guys in the band, John and Rick and Mike Thank and you. Doug and Johnny, you guys are just phenomenal. Go see the herding cats. There they play at Wild, Wild Rover. Every Sunday. Kirkland. Sometime when they get off the stool between 9 and 10, somewhere in there. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Until they fall off the stool around uh, 1231 or something like that. So, yep. And uh, also the Beatniks. What's the Beatnik schedule look like? Do you uh, guys have? Uh, Tulalip Casino on the 28th of this Friday. So you'll be That's off. tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, that, tomorrow. Most days, yeah. And we have the website, thebeatniks.com, and that tells you everything. Okay, so go to the Beatniks and you can go. I think hey, we're playing down, yeah, the, uh, New Year's Eve, we're playing the, uh, the Showbox with a, with a Neil Diamond tribute, Super Diamond. Really? Yeah. The Showbox Sodo. There's two different Showboxes. It's like yes. five guys that all dress like Neil Diamond. Oh, that's I, some I kind of that's yeah, some kind of nightmare. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, I've seen them, oh, okay. and I do Neil Diamond in the Beatnik. So I, <laughs> give us a little Neil right now. Hot August night with the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground smelling sweet. Hey, <laughs> 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 uh, you, you, you. Move up the road to the outside of town and the sound of that good gospel beat. <laughs> It's a ragged tent where there ain't no trees and that gospel group telling you and me it's love, brother, love, sick brother, love's traveling salvation show. Pack up the babies and grab the old ladies and everyone goes, cause everyone knows the brother love show. Don't you forget what the Beatles have said. <laughs> you know, you can come over and have Thanksgiving with my family anytime you want to, because you've got to be highly entertaining. And, and, uh, I've got to be. And so John and Rick and, and, uh, Mike? and Mike and Doug and Johnny, and who's read 300 Beatles songs, or Beatles, Beatles books. Excuse, I, didn't, I know that they've written that many, but... Uh, but Hundreds. Yeah, yeah. Dozens coming out every month. Absolutely. So, and go to see them January 11th at the Triple Door. They're highly entertaining. And I want to thank, personally, thank all you guys for thank hanging you. around thank for you. two hours. I know, John, you, you're not feeling your best, but I'll tell you, you're singing well. <laughs> thank you so much. So, and it's nice <laughs> to have you. So, and I always end my show with a little, with a little ending. And so, and 
tonight is particularly appropriate. So with that, we're going to close the show. And thank you, guys. We're going to be at Fire Creek tomorrow. Come down and see us. We've got Lori Miller and some other folks. So I'd like to thank you guys for being here. Go to the Triple Door January 11th at 1030. See these guys. They're absolutely awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.